Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Joe Maddalena. You may remember Joe from his origin story last week, but we're going to do dueling questions. So again, thanks sponsors, certainly, and especially Heritage, but also Huggins and Scott, Auctions, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So welcome, Joe Maddalena, formerly of Profiles in History, now with Heritage. I'm very excited to have you there. Dueling questions, the format, you get to go first. So First question, Joe, welcome to the show. Have you ever had that aha moment when in the middle of the night wake up and realize there's all these Beckett labels all over the world and be like, it has to be surreal where your name's attached to an industry. What is that like? Do you ever have that moment where you wish you didn't? What I wish I had done was uh, when I did uh, sell the company that I would have retained a royalty interest in any time my name was used. Just a penny, just a penny. That's all. You'd be a trillionaire. <laughs> oh, but it, but uh, I, I had a, a great run, and uh, to establish a brand that's enduring was a great honor. I'm still around, so I don't want to mess it up. I want to be of assistance in growing the hobby and helping my my former company as well. And I've got other sponsors. Okay, my first question to you. There's a, a lot said about what happens when celebrities die. In sports cards, it's Hall of Famers and they die. And all of a sudden, the public goes, oh, my goodness, I better go out and buy, in most of the cases, his cards. Does that same phenomenon happen in your profiles in history of non-sport, not just celebrity entertainment, some of the historical things that you dealt with where people have been gone for a long time? Is that a similar phenomenon that when celebrities die, there's a rush for their stuff? We have found the answer is no, for the most part, unless it's somebody, it's a tragic death. It's like Michael Jackson was the example where prices went skyrocketed up and skyrocketed down. And that was a moment where the Michael Jackson craze hit. But in general, no, it really isn't. Like when Brando passed away, people are like, oh, does everybody want Brando stuff? I'm like, no, they still want the Godfather. Our fields are different because it's really about what the person played. Marilyn Monroe maybe James Dean. There are a couple of examples who transcend that, but everybody else, no, you would think it would, but it really doesn't for the true collector. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Your question for me. I have witnessed this epic explosion in basketball cards that are truly hard to even comprehend. What do you think is fueling this market? Who is buying this stuff? I'm going to answer that question and it's going to lead into my follow-up question for you. So I will answer it partially and then bounce it back to you. I think it's new money. It's not traditional collectors. I think it's people that are enamored of what's the latest and the greatest and uh, buying on the sizzle and the potential of uh, some of these emerging stars that have the potential to be iconic is not even the word. To to support these million-dollar prices, they have to be listed with the greats of all time. Yeah, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan. In that same stratosphere. It is a 21st century collecting mindset. It is not a 20th or anything before because people have collected things for centuries. But there's a new breed of collector now. So that leads into my question for you, because I didn't fully answer that. And that is in profiles in history, profiles is a 20th century word, like profiles in courage from JFK. History is a kind of a 20th century word. I don't think history is even taught the same way it is now. So your name of your firm suggests older stuff. What I'm seeing is that the bellwether cards and sports memorabilia was always the older stuff. It was Babe Ruth. It was Hannes Wagner. Have you seen the same thing in your field of not specifically sports 
that the pop culture, it's your popularity, but it's almost how many followers you have or what's going on in social media. Was that driving your business? And if so, I'd like to hear it. And if not, are you going to bring that into heritage? There's no question that 20s and 30s and 40s, Hollywood is gone. Like Gene Harlow, Humphrey Bogart, people don't even care. So now it's all about Russell Crowe and Gladiator. It's 80s and 90s, the whole resurgence and Arnold, like the early stuff. So what people are buying is like 80s and 90s era of movie making, some 70s. It's changed, yeah, dramatically. It's funny. The printer came to my office one day and said, what's the name of your company? I'm like, ah, and there was a copy of Profiles and Courage on the desk. I'm like, Profiles and History. It was that fast. I made that decision in five seconds. There was no thought in that. It's a great name. Again, (laughs) my name is my name. It's what it comes to mean based on the people that uh, work uh, within and under that brand. Great brand. But like I said, it's almost like, what are you going to do? Profiles in culture? Profiles in popular culture? Nowadays, it's almost two different hobbies or two different industries. And yet they're comparing the prices of, well, gee, if Abraham Lincoln's worth this much, well, then how much should Barack Obama be worth? I'm thinking, Wait a minute, is that apples and oranges or that's not even a fruit? Completely different. Okay, your turn. The spike came in my fields, like historical documents. The spike was in the 90s and the stuff was going up two or 300% a year. The field imploded and it imploded because the buyers drove the collectors out. Are you concerned that these new card fields of these collector investors will drive out your core market? Or is this the core market? I'm not sure how to answer that other than to say that, that we're on uncharted turf territory. We we don't know. You can look back, like you said, at the 90s, but, but this is different. There's a lot of frustrated collectors out there that are saying, I can't collect anymore because I can't afford. Now, on the other hand, they have currency of cards that they have, memorabilia that they have, that they got for now, presumably pennies on the dollar, but they can't get what they really want. It's been a uh, consistent lament for the six decades I've been involved in the hobby that I wish I'd gotten in sooner. Now, that if there's a big crash, then that may not be the case, but there's been this uh, consistent march toward higher prices and quality winning out. That If something is scarce and popular, there's going to be more people interested in it that there's not enough to go around. There seems to be a lot of money chasing cards and memorabilia, whether it's non-sport or sport. And the grading aspect has made something that would otherwise be common, but it's scarce in that condition, in the finest condition. Whereas many of the documents you would have dealt with, you would be talking about an original document. Yeah. One. It's just one. Yeah. So I hope history doesn't repeat itself, Joe, but I, I'm afraid it does. <laughs> well, I think that's the nature of economics, though. Everything that goes up has to come down. You just don't know how long a market will go for. But it is fascinating to be going through one of these right now and just watching the interest. It's significant. Okay, my turn. Yep, your turn. The follow There's a logic that there are this many Michael Jordan cards in this condition, and, and there are far more than that number of people who would want that. Uh, therefore, it must be a good deal. Okay. The same logic must be applied is that you can't say that there's 350 PSA 10 Michael Jordan rookies and there's more than 350 people that want it and say, therefore, the price is okay or it's going to go up. It has to be how many people are ready, willing, and able to buy that card or that memorabilia at that price for it to keep going up in value. Surely you had that in the... Uh, profiles in history in the entertainment world that 
I'd love to have an Abraham Lincoln letter. Okay. I have no idea what's going to cost me. I'm guessing I'd have to sell my house <laughs> or, or something like that. George Washington. And again, I'm just throwing out well-known uh, political figures, but it's crazy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that the passion can yes. overcome the logic. And that's why bubbles and balloons can are eligible for popping because people say it's worth it at any price. Or they're looking, well, if this sells for this, then this. So the demand is only strong demand at a certain price. But if you, you wanted to stick with historical documents for a minute, that's exactly what happened to our field because there was a time where, let's say, a George Washington letter was $300,000. That letter today may be 50 grand and it might not be easy to sell. It's just not cool. People would rather have that Jordan rookie card or that Kobe or Mike Trout. It's just times have changed. I find it really sad where you could buy an Abraham Lincoln letter for 10 or $20,000. It, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I do see there's a trend towards grading these and putting them in holders. I see clip signatures of Jefferson. They're starting to do things with them that are making them more valuable because they're rarer because they can grade them and quantify them. But yeah, that's what always troubles me about all of these fields is like, maybe I'm the dinosaur now. It's, it, it, it's very hard to understand. You can't just say this is the way it always was. I think history repeats itself, but it, but it evolves as it repeats. Your turn for me. Okay. So I'm a friend of a friend. I call you up and you're the smart guy and knows all this about cards. And I say, hey, I've got $100,000 of my kids' money. What should I do with it? Mr. Beckett? I want to put it in collectibles. What should I spend it on? I'm a pro bono consultant. So I'd say listen to the podcast episodes that deal with those kind of things. It it really is follow your passion. And if you're buying for your kids, uh, follow their passion. If you're buying for investment, follow other people's passion. What is going to be popular? There absolutely are no sure things. I did an episode talking about comparing investing in sports cards, investing in Bitcoin. How do I know what the value of Bitcoin is going to be? But it turned out to be fabulous in 2020, the run up there. But my final point was that if you're looking at alternative investments, most of the savviest investors regard alternative investments as interesting and potentially lucrative, but do not recommend more than 10% of your invested funds being in that, in spite of the fact that the Harvard uh, endowment does way more than 10%, but not doing sports cards. If you're putting 10% of your investment funds into something, it's not margined or borrowed, then right now it would have been your best performing thing. It would have dwarfed anything other than Bitcoin in the last 12 months. But going forward, and that's the other problem. You'd think that the past performance would be a good indicator of the future performance, but there's a regression to the mean. You're really in danger of that. So Joe, I would not take on that gig to help somebody <laughs> deploy their money unless I asked a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. And because even the thought now in the old days of going back to when we were younger, for $100,000, you would have bought a collection. A good one. Diversified. You'd have bought sets. Okay. Right. There's no thought about that. The, the thought now is what one card would I buy for $100,000 or two cards, $50,000 each. But would you agree that in the profiles and history examples you were giving, the highest stuff can be the most vulnerable to correction? Absolutely. Every field eventually will have an exit strategy. You either are going to go out in that exit strategy or you're going to get slaughtered. But like you said, this could run five years, 10 years, five months. Nobody knows. It's just so hard to have a crystal ball. But like you said, we know eventually it's like the stock market. Eventually there's a correction in everything. We just don't know when it'll come. So the $100,000, just again, conceptually, 
do you buy one card for $100,000? Do you buy 10 cards for 10,000 each? Do you buy $1,100 cards? You could break it up any way you wanted to. But the thought now, the, the, the new collector is saying, I want one card, one piece that's primo, that's bragging rights. And whether that's profiles in history, a document, I, I, I want to get something that, that I'm really excited about, that I have extreme passion about, not a collection of things that, that I like okay, that might go up in value. I want something that I can show people that they can say, wow. I think buying the best is always the best strategy. I tell people when they come in, whatever you have to spend, instead of buying 30 things, buy the one best thing. If you're looking at the long term, if you have the best thing of anything, unless it's completely out of fashion, you're probably going to be okay. It's the mistake of the person buying 30 mediocre things, wishing they had the best thing. So I agree with you. You buy the best thing, that, but it's hard to figure out what the best thing is anymore. You know? well, one caveat there, because we're on the same page pretty much, but I'm saying even buying the best of the best, you can overpay. Absolutely. And if people don't think that, if they think this is the best of the best, I'm surely going to be able to sell it for more in X period of time. Not necessarily. That's all I'm saying. So I don't yeah. want to be saying And I think, the, and, and, right. And the additional caveat though is these are manufactured collectibles. I think we, you have to add that to all of this. What I'm selling isn't manufactured. So you're, you're talking about something where tomorrow somebody could find 20 more Charizard 10s and Pokemon and it's going to affect the market. We don't know what's out there. Nobody knows what yet is going to come. And that's going to also, maybe that'll make prices higher. Who knows? But we just don't know. We don't know. And that's why people need to <laughs> uh, go to heritage auctions and the, Get with experts like Joe, listen to the podcast and other podcasts too. Because I think it's a hobby of knowledge. We've heard Joe's has a lifetime of knowledge. I have a lifetime of knowledge. And if you're thinking about getting involved in the hobby, tap into some of that knowledge. So thanks, Joe. Thanks, listeners. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in-